In this week's episode, we are doing pumpkin, cranberries, and white chocolate in a pumpkin craisin cookie that you're going to love. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. I'm your host and certified Ganger Marge, and I love helping cooks make safe and effective edibles at home. I'm so glad you're here, and thank you for joining me today. Welcome back, friends. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to share a message from Annie, a fellow independent podcaster just like myself. Looking for a calmer space to consume the news? News Du Jour podcast gives you 10 to 15 minute daily news recaps in a chill, approachable way that won't cause a panic attack, but will fit into your busy life. It doesn't have to be time consuming, stressful, or intimidating to keep up with the news anymore. Click the link in the show notes to try News Du Jour podcast for yourself. And friends, I always do recommend that you support small independent podcasters like myself or like Annie of News Du Jour. Now the cannabis quote of the week. Cannabis, just like morphine, has its usage in medicine. It's unpardonable that authorities forbid sick people access to this medicament and in majesty of law permit to sell cigarettes. Jerzy Vetulani, who is a a now deceased Polish neuroscientist, pharmacologist, biochemist, and professor of natural sciences. This is one celebrated, educated man, and I think he really hits the nail on the head with this particular quote. It is unpardonable that it is so easy to access cigarettes, which we know cause so many harms and kill so many people every year, and yet cannabis is still somehow illegal and stigmatized in so many places. It really makes you wonder, doesn't it? It's a little backwards. It's people like this who provide a rational perspective that really does help push the needle, albeit as slowly as it is. Now, in this week's episode, we are doing pumpkin craisin cookies. And this one also brought to us by the Magical Butter Machine as part of some of their spooky Halloween. I guess this one wasn't necessarily a Halloween one. And I did it for after Halloween because I know American Thanksgiving is going to be coming up. And pumpkin, it's pumpkin season. It's you. It's great. I love it. I love pumpkin. It's super healthy for you. It's something we probably don't eat enough of. I actually started adding pumpkin puree to my morning smoothies, which is interesting. And I got this idea from a podcaster, but pumpkin is part of the squash family, I believe. Makes sense. And it's really healthy for you. And you can buy cans of pumpkin puree, which thankfully this is what this recipe calls for. It just calls for a can of pumpkin puree. So you don't have to worry about cooking a whole pumpkin or carving or doing any of that stuff. Cause sometimes it can be a little more difficult to deal with. But in any case, what I did based on another podcaster's recommendation, because I add all kinds of funky things to my morning smoothies in an attempt to increase my longevity just through a variety of fruits and vegetables that I can put in this thing in this morning smoothie, but they said, take a can of pumpkin puree and you get some, uh, ice cube trays and you just scoop some of the ice cube, some of the pumpkin puree into the trays, put them in the freezer, and then it's there when you need it. So every morning I just pop out one of the cubes, pop it into my blender and voila, I've got another healthy ingredient to add to my smoothie. That's another color as well. Cause they always say, eat the rainbow. Well, I don't know if I get is not enough orange vegetables or anything like that. So this is one way for me to include it in my diet in an easy and accessible way. 
And pumpkin puree is going to be everywhere right now because it was American Thanksgiving or sorry, Canadian Thanksgiving just last month. American Thanksgiving is coming up. We just had Halloween. So pumpkin puree is easily found on your store shelves and you can use some of it to make these pumpkin crazy cookies. And if you have leftover puree, you can always add them into some ice cube trays, add them to your morning smoothie. I did find these cookies to be a little soft. And I don't know if that's something that I did wrong. Who knows? But I did find them to be a little soft, but very tasty. They're called pumpkin craisin. The craisin is for dried cranberry. And these cookies have pumpkin, cranberries, white chocolate, a a touch of maple syrup. I mean, it's hitting all the bases. I had to try them out because I feel like pumpkin anything is always worth adding to the repertoire especially this time of year. It's just that pumpkin spice season. And I think, I do think the pumpkin puree is what helped keep them like very soft, but the spices also gave them a great flavor as well. So when I was making these, the ingredient list is pretty standard for a cookie like this. I mean, you have your dry ingredients, you have your wet ingredients, although these ones did call for old fashioned oats as well as the flour. And if you do find them a little wet, maybe add a little extra flour. It calls for a cup. I used the cup. I do find them pretty soft. So it with the puree and the maple syrup, even though it only calls for a teaspoon of maple syrup, it really does it is possible that you might need a little extra flour if you're finding them too wet or the batter too wet. It called for 12 ounces of magical butter white chocolate. Now, when I read this recipe, that's what it said, white chocolate. And then a half cup of coconut oil, infused coconut oil, of course. They're calling it for magical butter coconut oil. You don't need a magical butter machine in order to make any of the ingredients for this particular recipe. It's a great tool to have, but certainly not necessary but you're going to use infused coconut oil. And of course, if you want to up the ante a little bit, you could always include magical butter white chocolate. Now, after reading through the recipe, which I did after I went shopping, I realized that it was white chocolate chips they were asking for, not white chocolate. So I found myself chopping up this, I had bought white chocolate bars and I was chopping them up to get them into smaller pieces so that it would be better. I probably could have found a better way to do it, but I ended up just chopping them up by hand. That is one reason, friends, why it's always a good idea to read through the recipe, not just look at the ingredient list. Read through the recipe once before you sit down to make it, before you go make your grocery list or whatever, if you need things for it. You know, you can save yourself a little bit of time, like I could have, because the white chocolate bars was probably one of the most time-consuming things I did for this particular recipe. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal, but I was just sitting there like, if I just read it through, and this isn't the first time I've done that. You'd think I'd learn my lesson by now, but it's always a good idea to read through the recipe at least once so you know what yourself, so you know what you're getting yourself into. The other thing I wanted to mention, which I found interesting in light of the fact that groceries seem to be getting more and more expensive, is when I did go to the store, I was looking for white chocolate because that's what I happened to think that it called for. And I don't know why I didn't think of chocolate chips because obviously they're going into a cookie. What what was I thinking? I I don't really know. As I reflect back now, I'm like, what, Marge, what were you thinking? What were you thinking, Marge? I don't, I don't know. But anyway, I was looking for these bars and I happened to be at a store, Walmart, because there's one near my house, not my favorite store to go to, but sometimes when it's late and you're just picking up a few other things in the evening, you don't want to drive too far to go to your favorite grocery store. Carbon footprint and 
let's be honest, I'm starting to hibernate a bit more in the evenings now that it's getting darker out and a little bit colder. Although it's been unseasonably warm here lately. It is, at the time of this recording, about 20 degrees out. It has been for the last couple of days, which for anybody who is from this area or in a climate similar to my own knows that this is very rare. I have a friend, shout out to my friend Temple Grower, who lives out in Saskatchewan, which is one of the western provinces in Canada. I was boasting about my 20 degree weather while he was lamenting the fact that he was getting snow. Now it wasn't snow that was going to stay on the ground, but he was getting snow. I was getting 20 degree weather. That is the why Canadians talk about weather so much, I think, because it's so ridiculously diverse. You never know. I'm going to enjoy this while I can. In fact, I might go for a nice long walk after I finish recording this. In any case, I was in the store and I was looking at chocolate and I I like to buy good quality ingredients when I'm making something that I'm going to eat because it's stuff I'm putting in my body. I try and be healthy. Sometimes, as in the Monster Mash, if you listen to last week's episode, you know, candy corn isn't, there is no healthy version of candy corn. It's just little pure triangles of sugary orange stuff and there's no way around it. But sometimes, as an old friend used to say, you got to let your hair down sometimes. You don't want to be super strict all the time. And I guess I'm not because I'm making all these sweets. But in any case, I was looking at these chocolate bars and they are lint chocolate bars selling for around five bucks a bar. And I think it called for 12 ounces. So that was going to be about three bars. We're talking 15 bucks worth of chocolate that I was going to buy for this recipe. And then I happened to look over and the price tag of $1 caught my eye and it was great value, which is the Walmart brand, which I'm, you know, sometimes like, eh. I do shop store brands often, but I have certain favorites, certain stores where I really love their store brands and other places where I'm like, yeah, it seems kind of subpar. Well, interestingly, I looked at the ingredients between the great value white chocolate and the lint white chocolate. And you know what I found? I found that one had artificial sweetener, or sorry, artificial flavorings, I guess it was, and the other had natural flavors. Now, I know oftentimes natural flavors, and I'm doing air quotes as I say the word natural, can encompass a whole wide range of different things that probably aren't so natural sounding if you actually knew what they were. I recognize that. Sometimes the difference between natural and artificial is a pretty small margin, but that was literally the only difference. And do you know which company was using the natural flavors? It wasn't Lint. They were using the artificial. It was great value using natural flavors. So the difference in these two chocolate bars was just the source of the flavorings. Everything else was the exact same. It kind of blew my mind because I was prepared to spend five bucks on one chocolate bar. And instead I got the three bars that I needed for three dollars. And this wasn't a sale price either, my friends. This was regular price. So sometimes it really does pay to pause for a moment and have a look at that ingredient list. Often you'll find there are significant differences and you're going to opt for the more expensive item because it better reflects your values and how you want to eat or whatever the case might be. But other times you're going to look at it and be like, what the hell? Why am I paying so much more? Branding? Marketing? Who knows? Who knows? But in this particular instance, I saved myself four bucks a bar for something that was pretty much the same thing. And as my spouse, Chris mentioned, he's like, heck, they're probably made in the same factory. And you never know, they very well could be. So sometimes it does pay to stop a moment. And because groceries seem to be getting more and more expensive, you know, when you can save yourself a few dollars here and there, why not? For something that's 
literally exactly the same except for the packaging. The packaging was different, of course. Lint did have nicer packaging, I will admit, but not nice enough for me to actually spend the money. As I was saying, it's always worth checking. I do, you know, when it comes to that kind of thing, if I could save a few dollars, why not? Except in the case of sometimes I do like to buy fair trade organic because it makes me feel better. But that's not necessarily something that is going is actually making a better product. So you have to decide whether that's important to you or not. In any case, this is a pretty simple recipe to do. You're just, and it makes about, I think it made about 20 odd cookies for me. I used my tea check to figure out how potent my coconut oil was because I had not labeled it on the dish that it was in. I almost always do that, but I've been using my tea check far more consistently now. So I must've made this batch before. It did mean I had to heat up the coconut oil again because the tea check does like a lot of the infusions to be in a certain temperature range for it to effectively uh, calibrate, figure out the potency of that particular infusion. And so I did have to heat it up again because I don't have a microwave. Sometimes that's a bit of a pain in the ass, but that's okay. So it took a few minutes, but it's really worth it because I do find the tea check is pretty, is pretty accurate. Maybe not as accurate as if you sent it off to a lab, but honestly, what home cook is going to be sending off their coconut butter to a lab? You're not going to do that with every batch. That's for sure. And sometimes it does take the guesswork out of it. Now, if you know the potency of the flour that you're starting out with, online calculators can be very effective as well. And I always feel like having some kind of idea of as to the potency is always better than not. And it's better than it's better than just guessing. So if you're making a ton of edibles, the tea check is definitely worth checking out. I did do an episode with someone from the company a little while back, but and they talk a lot about the nuances, the the pros and the cons of the device, its limitations and that kind of thing. But I did test it out. My coconut oil was 5.7 milligrams per milliliter. And that means each cookie I made in the end was about 33 milligrams based on my calculations, based on the tea check potency results because of the number of cookies that it made. But basically, it's a simple cookie recipe. You're combining the dry ingredients together, then you're combining the wet ingredients together, then you're folding them together, and then you're adding your cranberries and white chocolate chips. If you're not a fan of cranberries, you could probably leave them out if you wanted, but they do add some nice flavor. And then you just use a teaspoon to measure out the cookies on on the prepared baking sheets. And then you put them in the oven. Now it called for 25 to 27 minutes. Again, I found the batter to be pretty soft. I made them just as recommended in the recipe. I might've might have been smart to add a little bit of flour, maybe not much, maybe just a quarter cup or so just to soak up some of the extra moisture. But because that they were a wetter cookie, I think I did bake them for the full 27 minutes. I may have put them in for even a couple of minutes longer. I'm trying to recall. I don't recall exactly, but just be sure to check these ones with the fork when you're done. So I did put the fork in. When I first took them out the first time, there was too much cookie clinging to the fork and then I put them back in the oven and it did seem to fix the issue. So they were cooked through. You let them cool and then you enjoy. And I think this is a fun cookie to bring to any events you might be going to the month I imagine like many of these things, if you wanted to, you could put them out on a rack or like on a sheet in the freezer. Often if you want to freeze cookies, you need to freeze them on a, on a tray. And then once they're frozen, you can put them in a Ziploc bag and keep them in the freezer. That's something else you could probably do with these as well. 
and you're just going to enjoy them. Who doesn't enjoy a tasty pumpkin cookie? I know I do. And I love gifting them. I did bring a bunch of those cookies to my daughter's Halloween party. I gave them out because there's lots of edibles enthusiasts there who always love getting gifted edibles. And do you, and let me tell you, you look like a hero when you come in and I have mine in these uh, bags that I bought. I always have them on hand. I, I gift cookies or things often enough that I can justify buying them. I could probably find, I think I bought them from a Canadian source. I could see if they ship to the States because their prices aren't too bad, but they're basically like craft paper, food grade bags that would really keep them fresh for longer. So if you are gifting them and they don't want to eat them right away or whatever, it's going to keep them fresh for a little bit. And I just bought to seal them because they're like a heat seal bag. Uh, you can get like professional heat sealers on Amazon and different places like that. But what I ended up doing is I went to a thrift store and I bought myself a hair straightener and it worked so well that I was like, why the heck? I mean, I'm not doing hundreds of these. I'm doing a, like a few. So I use a hair straightener and I went to a thrift store one time. I saw one for $10 and I'm like, yep, that's what I'm going to use. So I just keep it for sealing those bags when I use them. You can get them in various sizes. So sometimes I'm able to put, depending on the size of the bag, two to three or four cookies in it. And at one point I also bought myself labels from Sticker Mule and I designed these labels and basically I left a space on the labels for what's in the package and approximately how many milligrams. So because I'm making different edibles all the time, this isn't this isn't a business for me. This is just something fun that I like to do when it comes to the edibles. I'm making them for myself to gift to people, that kind of thing. But it's kind of fun to give them something in like a professional looking bag with a label. They'll be like, you made these yourself. I'm like, damn right I did. And the labels are fun. I could maybe include some of those in the show notes over on the website so you can see what they look like. Maybe inspire yourself because I just bought a roll of labels. And then again, I use a Sharpie and just write what's in the bag and how many milligrams so that who's ever getting this cookie has a pretty good idea of how strong they are. And if they're uncertain of their own tolerance, I can be like, you know what? At 33 milligrams, I would cut this, cut it up so you don't overdo it that first time. But it really adds a nice little touch whenever you're giving away some of your edibles. If you are giving them away, maybe you like to keep them both yourself. And you know what? There is nothing wrong with that either. I think most people that I know do like to gift them from time to time to people that they care about because nothing says I care than homemade edibles. Homemade anything for that matter. I hope I've inspired you to try this recipe out. And until next week, my friends, stay high.